The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Mick Barry, the socialist TD for Cork North Central, was with me a little bit earlier for Common Ground. And I mentioned to Mick on his way out of studio that John Cooper Clark was going to be with me later. And he said, wow, what a privilege. I love Beasley Street. John is the godfather of punk poetry. And John, it turns out your fans in Ireland extend to our Houses of Parliament. How does that sound? Yeah, that's true. What are you talking about? My uh, long-standing uh, relationship with Michael D. Higgins. Well, yeah. Tell me a little bit about more about that. Well, I say long-standing relationship. You know, it's uh, it's a long time since we first uh, we, we first met. He was uh, the first. <coughs> excuse me. Let me go back to when I first met Michael D. It was, um, I was doing a show at a place called the Project Arts Centre, a tiny theatre in uh, in Dublin in the early days, well, sort of late 70s, I think, maybe the cusp of the 70s and 80s. And uh, my uh, support act for the evening was uh, a young poet by the name of Michael D. Higgins. Wow, wow. And so, and, and did you develop a bit of a relationship over and back, or, or did you cross no, paths to be again? Honest, I, I, I didn't... I, I didn't meet. I didn't meet him until uh, when was it? Twenty fourteen, I think. When they, whenever it was, they made that movie, that sort of documentary on me, uh, BBC Four documentary. Uh, evidently, uh, John Cooper Clark, which was being premiered at uh, an Irish film for international film festival held in uh, in Ireland, and of course Michael D being the uh, the pres- il pre- el presidente was uh, was there to open the event which was went on for a I think it went on for a week it's a real international event you know m- many of the big hitters of the movie international movie world were were there so naturally they uh, they needed the president to uh, kick off the proceedings and uh, we all, it was it was uh, a little bit late so we were uh, we were all hanging around for the, the telltale uh, presidential motorcade and when it arrived this uh, young lady carrying a clipboard came ahead of him and said, John, would you mind having a photograph with uh, with Michael D? And she reminded me of the occasion when uh, we, we shared a stage together uh, all those years ago. Wow. So, um, you know, listen, Michael D might be there then in the in the, uh, the three Olympia. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's got much more uh, important things uh, things to do. Well, listen, but sir... It would be, but it would be nice to... Uh, to uh, to inhale uh, a drink with the guy uh, at some point, yeah. Um, do you, do you still come over and back? A bit? I know I mentioned so it's it's next May. You've got the show in the Three Olympia Tuesday, the fourteenth of May. You were re- here relatively recently as well, I think. Are you over and back a bit? Yes, yes I was. I was over there on the uh, I think the third of September. Um, we did uh, the Helix in uh, there in Dublin, and uh, it was. Uh, it was a sort of stepping stone to the states, really. I was uh, I was on my way to do a, a tour of uh, America and a couple in Canada, and uh, it's a lot easier to leave from Ireland, <laughs> as you can imagine. You know, much much rather rather that than uh, Heathrow. It's a long way from where I live. And, uh, so uh, we uh, we shoehorned a little gig in there at the Helix, and uh, yeah, that was good. Always good. Always good in Ireland. So what do people experience? What do they see when they go to a 
John Cooper Clark gig? Well, there ain't no pyrotechnics or anything uh, um, specifically uh, spectacular about it. It's uh, really it's an evening of poetry, really, myself. And I imagine Mike Gary will be uh, appearing as well, he, as he does uh, a lot of my shows. Uh, fellow poet from Manchester with big, he's still got family in Ireland. Uh, so I imagine he'll be doing that trip with me. And uh, so it's just, uh, well, people reciting their poetry, really. Uh, we do our best to, to be attractive to the, to, <laughs> to the ticket-buying public. But beyond that, you know, uh, really, uh, it's not a visual act. So, But how much does the performance, uh, how, how much does that matter in terms of the message? Well, I think it matters a lot. When you say performance, if you, in terms of poetry, really what we're talking about here is what does it sound like? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not really much performance. Because most of us, mo- you know, mo- mo- most of us would, would consume poetry by simply just reading it and, and very rarely even reading it aloud. You're just kind of, you're well, just looking at the words go, on a page. Well, that's where they go wrong, I, th- I think, Kieran. I think poetry is a phonetic medium, you know. It's a, it's a kind of branch of music in a way. I never know whether anything that I've written is any good until I have actually given voice to it, and especially giving voice to it in a public situation. You know what I mean? It's it, it sort of uh, it, it, it it completes the uh, the dynamic exercise, if you like. You know, uh, I think it's very much very much a a phonetic uh, thing. And what if, if it doesn't yeah. sound any good? It's because you didn't write it properly. And would you would you have people who come up to you, maybe after gigs, and 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 maybe that's the feedback they give that you know they hadn't they hadn't maybe thought about the poem in a certain way until they heard you read it out loud. Well, I do hear this a great deal, and I'm never surprised to, uh, to I'm never surprised to get that news because that that's what uh, that's what hit me about it, you know, really in in the first place, uh, uh, what it sounded like. I mean, we we used to do. Uh, at school, we—that's uh, how we learn poetry. We we learn it off by heart. We we didn't take it to pieces to find out what he meant by anything, or he or she that meant by any of this poetry. It was it was all about remembering it. It was it was it was observance rather than any understanding. I, I think that's the way that poetry works. I think the kind of actual sub any subtext that might be there kind of creeps up on you thirty years later. But when you're at school, you know uh, you're not that you don't have very much insight as a child, do you? You know, and when you consider that some of this poetry that we had to learn off by heart, Michael Gove style, was uh, some of this poetry was you know written by. 40-year-old men a hundred years ago, you know, when the, the world was very different. You know, you're not going re- to instantly understand it. So, re- so therefore, what you're left with really is the language standing alone on its own, on its own marriage. You know, does it, uh, is, it, is it effective in any way? And you can only find that out by really hearing it. Mm. So I always, uh, I always used to. Uh, I remember hearing Richard Burton doing "Under Milk Wood," for instance, on yes. the radio, and uh, you know, and you know, thinking that that's, that's the way to do it. You know, that's the way to, uh, you know, you kind of, it, yeah. it, it, not not just poetry, but you know, if you read any list, if you read a menu aloud, it's it's automatically engaging. It is to me anyway. Maybe that's just something that poets have. 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not a poet, and and I, the whatever about Richard Burton's version, Michael Sheen a couple of years ago did Under Milk Wood again himself on stage, and it's just remarkable uh, yeah, his reading of yeah. it, you know, and how different it is from just the cold words in a page. Exactly, obviously. So th- there is no justice in in this life, really, is there? You know, because there, there are many people who write much better poetry than I, I'm sure, but they they probably you know poets are very often in, by their very nature they're shrinking violets. You know, they don't like uh, confrontational situations, I imagine, you know. But uh, uh, I think that's where uh, that's where w- w- people like myself and, you know, Mike Gary and uh, Luke Wright and uh, a bunch of other people, I think that's where we win out in that we, uh, we get over this uh, reticence. Can I be cheeky then, uh, given how much you've talked about how important it is to say these things out loud, to ask you for a few lines of poetry before we go? Yeah, sure you can, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a couple of quick ones. Uh, yeah. I've, I, by the time I'm out there, my new uh, anthology will be will be out. My new collection of poetry under the collected title of What? So uh, there's a couple of uh, short ones in there, for instance. I'm not going to give too much away. (laughs) You're going to have to buy a copy. (laughs) But there's a couple of quick ones that that have been on the the, uh, running order for a while. This one's one I wrote for the Martini people in the hope that in return they would send to me a year's supply or a lifetime's supply, whichever (laughs) is the greater, of their enervating beverage. And this one, I call this one, Home Honey, I'm High for obvious reasons. Frontal lobes, just get a trim, or did you meet the moonies? Wrong on both counts, Jim. See many martoonies. So there's that one. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's this one, Tom Jones. Sir Tom Jones, I'm sorry, I've had to Mm. retitle that one in recent years. (laughs) Sir Tom Jones. Uh, back in town in the big Rolls Royce, the funky, hunky housewife's choice. In one fact, he can rejoice. His trousers don't affect his voice. <laughs> <laughs> John, listen, it's been a pleasure and thanks a million for joining us. Uh, John's uh, anthology will be out in time for his performance in May in Dublin. Uh, what is the uh, collective title that's going to be published under? And it's Tuesday the 14th of May in the Three Olympia Theatre. John Cooper Clark, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.